just because we're talking here doesn't mean when we get home yeah, that everything's fine. Just because fine. I'm talking to you about this customer problem, I am still not talking to you when we get still home. Still not talking to you when we get home. <laughs> I love, I love that. it. Awesome. Let's be crystal we just clear know. about yeah, this. We just know. But, um, no, I'm not going to lunch with you today. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's funny. Oh my gosh. You sound like my wife. No. <laughs> hey, Jason, what's the first thing you think of when I say the word setups? You're not making chips, <laughs> yeah, and you're right. not making money. Yeah, exactly. It's one of the biggest battles that can hold you back as a manufacturer. Absolutely. So enter the Lean Setup Guide from ProShop. Okay, what's that? This guide can help anyone, whether you're a ProShop user or not, but ProShop users have experienced a 50% reduction in setup time because the software builds these lean principles into their process. Yeah, so it's a totally free download. You can go to ProShopERP.com slash 50, and you can get your copy of the Lean Setup Guide. Bam. Jason. Yeah, Nick. In the Music City, your new home. Yes. And I sing to start episodes now. That's what oh, we do. Oh, please so. spare us. All right, fine. We'll just, just play the intro. The music. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts. Let's make some chips. Hey, Metalworking Nation. Welcome to Making Chips, the number one and longest running manufacturing podcast in manufacturing podcast history. I'm your host, Jason Zenger. What's up, man? What's up? And I got my co-host here, Nick. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. Nashville's pretty cool. It's my first time so, here. Yeah, so. big announcement. I just moved my family from the city of Chicago to Nashville, and I'm really excited to be here. Big change. It's a big change. It's only been about five or six weeks, and we're really loving it, man. It's really nice here, I got to say. And there's a lot of manufacturing moving down to Tennessee, too. Tennessee, yeah. Kentucky, Arkansas, I mean, we have some manufacturing Alabama. news coming up later, but I told you last night at dinner that I was reading an article where... Southern Indiana? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The most foreign direct investment is in Texas, and second to Texas is Tennessee. Really? For foreign direct investment in manufacturing. Wow. Yeah. When you say foreign direct investment, does that mean people who yeah, have so corporations like a, outside the United bingo, States? Yeah, okay. like a German company who's sure. manufacturing outside of Germany or something like well, that. Well, speaking yeah. of that, I know one of our cutting tool partners, PH Horn, they're headquartered in Franklin, Tennessee, Yeah, not far from my house. That's really cool. Yeah. So I would imagine if there's non-U.S. companies that are investing in Tennessee and Texas, like you said, there's U.S. companies that are moving here as well. I mean, I've talked with several customers are thinking about making some moves and expanding their operations out to this area. I would if I so, could, man. I know. <laughs> I have two family Rockford, businesses linking me to Rockford. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, we're really excited to be here in Tennessee. It's just been such a blessing to move our family here. It really is true that everybody here is so stinking nice. The Southern I mean, hospitality, oh, yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's yeah, wonderful. Awesome. Yeah, so it's good. So we've got a great episode today. We actually have one of our future guest hosts. We're going to interview him today and another special guest, but he's been on the podcast before. Sure. Should we introduce him before we even get into our first segment? Yeah, yeah. Let's introduce him before the news. Let's so, do it. So our guest started out like a lot of us, cleaning chips on the shop floor, cleaning out the machines. At the time, there was four family members involved in the business, and the business was 
100 years old before it started to see any real growth. Yeah, he was actually on a previous episode of Making Chips. It was episode 308. It was on April 11th of 2022. Yeah. So if you want to go back and get the full story there, there you have it. He's now the president and CEO of Nick's companies. He does a great job running my companies. It's NIX companies. And are you saying that he was cleaning chips? That's how he started? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what they say, if you're not cleaning chips... You've got a dirty shop. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're probably still not making money. <laughs> yeah, you're probably not making uh, money if you got a dirty shop. There you so, go. So, yeah, welcome to the show, Matthew Nix. It's good to have you, dude. Yeah, good to have you back, man. Thanks, guys. So looking forward to being a guest host here with you all in the future. And we'll get into first guest that I brought on I here know. in yeah, just a few guest. minutes. And so I'll explain why I'm saying in the future, I'm looking forward to being the guest yeah. host. Yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> I'm going right. to fall back there a little bit go. today. Sure. But And thanks for coming down here to Nashville. We appreciate you coming out here. So, And we had a good time last night with you all. I mean, it was so good. It was the four of us here, plus my wife. And we went out to dinner and drank some bourbon. And it was a good I time. I was just hardcore fifth wheeling it the whole time. It was, it <laughs> was a okay. blast. Though. You Your guys, wife doesn't love you. You're very welcome. I love you, Nick. No, so. she loves me. She's at home. <laughs> we always love being with you guys, but I'm not going to lie. It was better to meet Nashville than Chicago. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, yeah. We do love Chicago. But oh, I do too. It's a great it city. It was a fun night to be in Music City. And so cleaning the chips out thing, uh, I do joke about that a lot. I mean, you don't want a sloppy shop. You don't want to be tripping over filth. But also, so it's like if you walk into a shop and it's too clean, your alarm bells start going off. You're like, wait a minute here. They got too much free time on their hands. <laughs> yeah. Do they do any real work yeah, do here? They do any real work. So my first guest that I'm bringing to the show as a, one of the new guest hosts is going to be an interesting one. I'm really excited about it. And this lady, she's been a part of our company's story for quite a long time, really since the beginning of the growth journey. And she's done about every job there is, at least in the office side of things. You didn't make her clean chips though, right? She didn't clean chips, but she painted. She helped paint on Saturdays and Sundays when we had to get stuff out the door before we had a full paint apartment. But she started out doing marketing and then we lost the one and only bookkeeper we had, which typical family business. So she stepped right into keeping the books and eventually we grew the company enough to hire a CFO. Then she moved back into sales, was one of our top sales producers, and then has now transitioned more into a public relations training. She's training our sales team and just community involvement. And so wore a lot of different hats in our business. And probably the hardest hat she wears is the fact that she's my wife. I was going to say that. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. So hence why I think I'm going to take the back seat here today on this episode. I'm going to let you guys fire the questions away and I'll chime in when I Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be too authentic for you to ask a bunch of questions you probably know the answers to, but we're going to yeah. uncover some stuff yeah. anyway. So, so welcome to the show, Lindsay Nix. Yeah, thank you. Hey, I'm Lindsay. super happy to be here and excited to share our story. I know a lot of people when they hear that I work with my husband, they think I'm crazy. So you might be a little bit for doing that. I think that. I am, yeah. maybe a little. Yeah, yeah for sure. I think to be an entrepreneur, you have to be a little or bit both crazy. Of you are, so. yeah, exactly. There you <laughs> go. I second that. There's a little craziness to this entrepreneurship, especially in a tough industry like manufacturing. Yeah, absolutely. You got to work um, hard to make a dollar. All right. Well, we would love for you all to chime in on our manufacturing news, but why don't we kick it off to manufacturing yeah, news? Yeah, yeah, yes. The global manufacturing industry is full of twists and turns. But what does it mean for you? The Making Chips hosts have hand-selected the latest news and they're about to give you their perspective. No hot takes, no political garbage. Just commentary from the perspective of a manufacturing leader. This is MWMN, Metalworking Manufacturing News. 
All right. Well, what do you got for us, Nick? Yeah. So, all right. Been driving around in your Tesla all week, <laughs> and I was reading some manufacturing news with the article, Toyota is right. We need more hybrid cars and fewer EVs, and here's why. I got something to say about this. Sure. Yeah. So, so I'll just ahead. read like ahead, a read few a paragraphs. I'm going to bounce around yep. a little bit, but... Once upon a time, Toyota led the mainstream push into energy-efficient cars with the hybrid Prius. Today, it's seemingly more conservative, having poo-pooed battery electric vehicles for years in favor of things like hybrids and hydrogen only to finally embrace EVs potential with the BZ4X. A little, anyway. How do you define poo-pooed? So Toyota's position was like, hey, the whole world's going to EVs, and I think hydrogen's better or hybrids are better. Okay, so it's not when oh, my gosh, son needs here me to help is. him in the bathroom. Yeah, here's That's the dad joke. About. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I knew it was coming. I fell right into it. So Don't fall into a poop. It's, you got to take a shower, all that kind of stuff. It's not fun, Nick. <laughs> Can we get into the news here? <laughs> all right. So Toyota still firmly believes in a full spectrum of decarbonization solutions, one where hybrids are more important than full EVs. The article continues, the data is conclusive. Electric vehicles generate fewer carbon emissions than those powered by combustion engines over their lifetimes. And what you're about to read doesn't dispute that. But EV adoption is tripping over range limitations, patchy charging networks, high prices resulting from the cost of batteries that power them, and the fact that Jason's car can never effectively perform sentry mode, <laughs> where it's supposed to pick you up. <laughs> oh, that's a long story. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. So I'm just watching your car get like, more lost than you. Mode, so that wasn't too good. Yeah, and it was where hilarious. you call the car to you. In the yeah, what do you lot. call that mode? No, it's not sentry mode. Sentry mode is when it like has the cameras and it's like... I call it doesn't really work mode. Yeah, yeah. It's summon mode, Nick. Summon mode. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then it just froze like a deer in the headlights right in the middle of the parking lot. So. Exactly. So yeah, I've got something to say about this. Sure. I think you can always let the pendulum swing in so many extreme directions. And to be quite honest with you, I think that one of the issues that we have, and I think the metalworking nation would probably agree, is like our politicians, like they got to be careful about incentivizing the right things. You know what I mean? And like as much as Tesla is an amazing company and EVs are great, it can't be everything. It just cannot be. And it's not even the most efficient type of car. You know what I mean? Like it really got on my radar when Toyota announced their hydrogen only engines. And I thought that that was really interesting. And I know from a manufacturing standpoint, I was concerned when EVs were really taking over for manufacturing because there's a lot of complex automotive parts that are machined for gas combustion. combustion engine. Yeah, yeah. And now it goes to EVs and now it's maybe swinging over to hydrogen, which also has a complex machining operation too. Yeah. So I think the interesting part of the article is this hybrid was supposed to be like a bridge to full EV and they're like it doesn't need to just be a bridge there's a place for hybrid too I actually yeah. shared this article on LinkedIn one of the executives from Toyota that I know did well. I find yeah. it from you I think you may have I yeah. just shared it wow. yeah yeah that's so, so one of the executives at the local Toyota Indiana plant which is just down the yeah. road from us the lady that we had on their panel I don't think Leah shared it but her okay. vice president okay I think I saw one of her vice yeah. presidents shared yeah, it. yeah she was great we have an episode in the yeah. past with her Leah so. Curry yeah. who's yeah. The president there and started on the shop floor, but yeah, what is it? Toyota, Toyota Motor Manufacturing, Indiana. Got it. Yeah, yeah is what they There's go like by. Five thousand employees yeah. under her or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so they did make the Sienna minivan. Yeah, they're making make the Siennas, Highlander. and now they're bringing the new Lexus SUVs. And they're making one of the EV. SUVs or yeah, I hybrid think one SUVs of the there, one yeah. of the Lexus ones is going to be a hybrid. One of the best things I think about that article, and I would encourage folks to look it up. You have to look at the visual. There's a graph that shows the full scale of energy consumption that it takes to make these vehicles and the carbon footprint associated with the entire process. That's right. the part people don't think about. Yep. I mean, it's not just the carbon footprint of the car. What did it take to make the lithium for the batteries? And mm. when you factor all these things in, the hybrids still have it 
beat out I agree. I think that hybrids are the best because you use the battery for kind of like trotting around the city and then you got the gas for when you're on the highway. I think it works out really well. And if you want to hear that episode from Leah Curry, who's the president of Toyota Motor Manufacturing Indiana, that was, I believe it would be episode 307, which was on April 4th, 2022. People, Process, and Performance, a special live interview event. And that's where we got to know you two. Lindsay and Matthew, we were doing like a live speaking event there. We hosted that. And it was great. Yeah. So one of the things that I think is interesting, Toyota make this huge announcement about hydrogen vehicles. Well, they need to figure out how they're going to handle the downstream and upstream processes for distributing this gas. And it's going to be kind of interesting. I know like one of my wife's biggest clients is British Petroleum. Are these traditional energy companies going to start getting into hydrogen distribution if Toyota really moves forward with these hydrogen vehicles? So it'll be interesting to see what happens. So it makes me think about the MT forecast where mm-hmm. I was there just a year ago. So the MT forecast, the event that AMT puts on Mm -hmm. every year. The last time I was there, they said, hey, every year we talk about EVs, 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 and now that's here. Everyone's making EVs. All the commercials you see are EVs, and you're starting to see that migration. But the last MT forecast was primarily focused on what hydrogen's going to do. So they're always ahead. It's a forecast, right? They're always ahead of their time there. Mm -hmm. We may be speaking at the MT forecast in Detroit this year. Great. And I'm interested to see like how much that's changed from one year to the next, because it was still like, hey, this might be coming and they're working on the technology and everything like that. And now apparently Toyota's already got an engine that's hydrogen only. So yeah, that would be really, really cool to see. It's very interesting. And all these things do affect manufacturing. Sure. All right. Let's get into the meat of the episode here. What do we title this? Staying married to each other and your business? That's right. Yeah, Yeah. that's cool. Yeah. So so we're going to talk a little bit about what it's like to be married and both parties very involved in the business. Sure. One joke I've made a lot of times was that the CEO and CFO should not live in the same household. (laughs) Is that like the fox watching the chickens then? Yeah. It was my job to spend it and her job to save it. Yeah. Yeah. We lived that life for about five years and one day we looked up and we were doing another acquisition and I cried uncle. I said, we need some help. So we had two small kids at the time and we now have three children, but it was utter chaos for several years there. And really during those high growth years, it was a lot of craziness adding employees. You know, we always say we're up to about 150 employees now. And the first 50 employees were way more difficult than acquiring the next hundred. So looking back at those years, it's kind of like a fog. Yeah. Well, in the intro, we talked about four, right? Four family members and this 120-year-old company that you have now. So yeah, it was really like a 100-year-old startup. So okay. yeah, because you went from four family members. Yeah. When I joined the business with dad and grandpa in 2004, right out of school. And in 2010, we hired the first team member. And from 2010 to today, 2023, we've taken that to about 150 folks. We have seven different locations. We've grown through acquisition and organic growth. And so that's sort of the cliff notes. And we tell the full story on the episode yeah, that, yeah. that you so mentioned. Go back. So, yeah, that's the cliff yeah. notes. It's go an awesome story. story. Highly so recommend going one. back. Yeah. 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 So tell us how, Lindsay, how you came into the business. Who wants to start that? I don't know if that started with you or if it started with... I don't know if you were like, I really want to be a part of this, or if you were like, I really need your help. (laughs) (laughs) I don't recall her being like, I really want to be a part of this. I think it was more of she wasn't, and I'm going to let her tell her side of the story, but I think it was more like from my perspective, she wasn't fully fulfilled in the job that she worked for wonderful people, but just probably had more to contribute. And I think there's a lesson to learn there, right? Like I think we are all guilty as employers about, I bet you of the 150 folks that we have right now, there's probably some percentage of them that are feeling this way. And that's, I'm failing as a leader of I'm not allowing them to live like their they full, feel like they have more to contribute, they have more to contribute yeah. or they're not in yeah. the right role. And so I think that's a little lesson learned here. But anyways, 
from my perspective, she wasn't fulfilled in the job and the role she was in. And then she also saw that we had a need. We yeah. were growing and it's like, who better to come in and fill that void? So how well does her? he know you? Is so that, is that spot on? That's pretty spot on. Yeah. yeah so what so were you doing I was working as an accounting and finance manager at an agricultural dealership. So we sold like tractors and combines and very large brand? family business. Very well. large. Was family, it John Deere? Uh, Case, Case New Holland? Yes. Which my dad grew up on a family farm and they ran all John Deere. So when dad heard like I was going there and he was like, I said, dad, I said, they pay with the same green money <laughs> for a John Deere versus a Case IH. Yeah, so green money for I the red tractor, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go where the money is. And I graduated college in 2008. So the job market was not awesome at the time. So I really had a difficult time finding a job out of college. So worked for a wonderful family. It had been a family business. She was second generation. And it was great because I got to learn from a female in a leadership position in an industry where it's not typically ran by females. So how providential was that? I would be entering this manufacturing industry where there's very few women in leadership. So it was really great to learn from her to stand your ground and to own being a woman in this industry. So really got to learn a lot from her and I'm wait and counting and finance. I can do it, but it is not fun. I don't like to sit behind a computer every day. I'm very outgoing. I want to be in front of people. I want to be talking to people. So when we were actually starting our codings division in our business, we thought, okay, well, we're going to start this coding division to do our own codings for our products that we're manufacturing. Painting and powder coating, yeah. specifically. But Matthew's like, we're going to have to sell it. So I was like, great. I can get back into marketing. I can get back into sales. I told my mom I was quitting my job and she said, well, how are you going to have health insurance? That was her first question. We were the small family business. I said, well, we're going to buy it. And at the time we were spending a lot of money on that kind of stuff, but we knew that it was going to pay off one day. I think Matthew is this great visionary and I thought he's not going to take us down the wrong path. And I felt that about... By taking us down a few wrong paths, well, but yeah. we turned around. Yeah. Got to make some mistakes. <laughs> Just yeah. like most yeah. men yeah. didn't follow the instructions, had to do some U-turns. Exactly. Right. Yeah. A couple he doesn't like to read instructions. So. Yeah. There you go. You mentioned kind of being flat with four employees and then starting to grow. Was powder coating like the first major initiative then? Or Yeah, that was the first big sort of stepping outside a little bit. We had taken on a couple large jobs in the core business by that point. But yeah, that was the first time we sort of stepped out and did something new. We stood that up as its own business. So it had its own P&L and everything was separate. We branded it separate. It was Nick's Coatings. And so about half of the business was internal work, but then the other half was third party. So we were doing work for friendly competitors or other manufacturers. And so that's what she was doing, going out and selling to them for us to do their sandblasting, painting, and powder coated. Lindsay has the perfect personality be customer <laughs> facing. I could see you being really bored just working in spreadsheets yeah, and doing financial was, stuff. Yeah. So. And we had two small kids. So, you know, I was dealing with them and working all hours of the night. When Charlie was born, he was born five weeks early. It's been a couple of weeks in the hospital and I'm sitting in the hospital bed and the nurse walks in and I'm stuffing statements and she's like, is there not anyone else that can help you with this? I'm like, no, I am it. Like it is me. Yeah. So I looked at Matthew. I said, the goal is to be out of this hospital by the next month when I have to stuff these. Back then, no one was emailing. Everybody right. was Some getting paper statements. Were. We just weren't. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> well, and running we payroll. We barely had a computer. Like, yeah, I mean, payroll has to happen. It doesn't matter if you're in the hospital with your newborn. Yeah, you got to have to happen. That's yeah. the thing that the little nuances of owning your own business and particularly being in business with your spouse, people don't think about yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So was there any point in your career, I don't know if it was in the beginning or not, where you started to suspect that people were looking at you differently from like another woman who might have been hired in the business, which that's a thing unto itself. Right. But not only that, you're the boss's wife. 
So was there a moment where you're like, people are not treating me the same as they would otherwise, and I don't like it? No, I don't think so. Mostly because we assembled like our management team together. Okay. So before... We built the team yeah, together. There we, was, we interviewed It them. was just us. Yeah. So he and I were the only ones bringing our management and leadership team in place. And I was working there in the trenches with them from day one and helping them learn our business. And when the CFO came in, he obviously had more formal training than I did in the numbers part, but explaining to him how our business ran and they've all been very respectful. I think it's more different now than it was in the beginning because I'm not as involved in the day-to-day like I used to be. And some people may not know that part about my story that I was in the trenches early on and now I'm more accustomed customer facing. It's just a different type of role than really working in the day to day like I once was. So I think I've struggled a little bit with that as of late, especially having to be there more for our kids as they're growing up. So I think it is different now. I've actually experienced the opposite of what you were saying, Jason. I think as we've grown, and I'm not saying that what you're suggesting hasn't played out and that maybe I didn't see it or recognize it, but also I've noticed the opposite in a prevalent manner where the larger we've got and as Lindsay's pulled back a little bit and being, as she said, in the trenches of the business or in the weeds, that our folks have really come to appreciate and value her presence when she is around, and which I think says a lot about her and the culture that we built. So for example, she had a goal to visit every location every month and we're spread out mostly in Southern Indiana, but we have locations in Cincinnati as well. So we're spread out about four hours between all of our locations. And now she tries to go quarterly. And if she doesn't go, her and I hear about it. I haven't yeah. seen Lindsay yeah. in a while, you know. And, say, where yeah. have you been? Yeah. <laughs> so, there you go. And I love that. And I think that's so important, especially in with our culture and how we want to be with our people. Like We want to be accessible all the time. Yeah. Like They have my phone number. They have my email address. They can reach out to me at any time. And some of them do. Some yeah, of them they will do. talk to Lindsay about things, family things or other things that they would never talk to me about. I mean, yeah. she yeah. just has that. She's just like way nicer than you. <laughs> yeah, she, she, people like her more than me. People just like her more than me. Well, let's be honest. Yeah. We talk about, like, I know with my right-hand man, Mike, who he happened to be, before he went to work for Zengers, he was a pastor. But we talk about that we're shepherding a team of people and you need to like get involved sometimes in their life or be open to them wanting you to talk into things that they have going on personally. I think that's really important. You know what I mean? Because if you want to be connected and treat people more than just a number, like a human being who you want to care for, you need to step into those things Yeah, not be afraid to. Yeah, absolutely. And a woman's touch is great in yeah. those kind of situations. Like a lot of times the guys are coming to tell me their wives are pregnant because they took like a test yesterday and they just <laughs> are so excited and yeah. they want to tell someone. And like, what a blessing that is for us to be a part of those life events with our folks. And as we've grown, I think to keep this small family feel, it is a huge important part of my job. And maybe it doesn't move the needle on the P&L every month, but it's helping with turnover. I think it's it does. helping it's with satisfaction. Yes, yes. <laughs> what are so. the KPIs? Like, how many valuable conversations did you have? Right. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah. no one's going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just ridiculous. We like, try to. <laughs> but I agree. Nick's going to be at the end of a conversation and be like, okay, I got to write on my spreadsheet. That was a meaningful conversation, right? Yeah. He's like, okay, <laughs> let me put in my KPIs so I can and share will you with my score dad that next one week. to 10? <laughs> yeah. How loved How meaningful <laughs> was it? Yeah. <laughs> One don't to do, ten. Do you feel don't loved? Do that, Nick. No. Yeah. I know you're a quantitative marketing and sales guy, but I'm don't really measure not that. as quantitative as you always suggest. I well, mean, you're more than the average. Yeah. Well, it's because, you know, 
have continuous improvement. Yeah. And they'll even share work problems that maybe they wouldn't share with their boss or they wouldn't share with the right. HR manager or they wouldn't want to come straight to Matthew. And that's super valuable too, because we're getting the insights from the shop floor that maybe we wouldn't otherwise be getting. That's so awesome. It's been really yeah. great. Yeah, great. So, all right, let's get into the behind the scenes here, the behind the music since we're in Music City. So every marriage goes through like some peaks and valleys, right? And I'm sure yours is no different. And it's probably agitated by the fact that you work together every day. So it's like a roller coaster. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. you have good days, or bad like days, good mountains, weeks, bad weeks. You, know? you have good years and bad years, really, like I do in my marriage. But, you know, you stick with it. We all have like a similar faith where it's like, hey, divorce isn't an option for us. Like, we're in we're it gonna, till the end. We're in it till the end. Right. So. How do you, though, like keep the valleys away from affecting the business performance? How challenging is it? Well, I think we've rarely let our challenges at home come into the business. The other way around, not so much. I mean, I think we've done a reasonably good job of not bringing work home, but we definitely don't take home. So work. if it's going mean, to happen, it's going to be work coming home, not home going to work. That's yeah. right. I mean, I could count on one hand all the years we've been working together that where we've ever let that anything from home creep in. We've never work. had a fight in front of anybody at work. Right. <laughs> well, and even there's been times where we can be real here. Everybody probably has a point in time where like having the silent treatment going on. You're not really talking <laughs> Wait, for it's not just my wife. <laughs> I thought it was so, I'm really good at it. I thought that my wife was the only one that gave the silent treatment. But my point is, is like we will still <laughs> speak at work like normal. Lizzie, can you put a stop to this? <laughs> So silent treatment doesn't carry over. No. And we both know just because we're talking here doesn't mean when we get home. Yeah. Just because I'm talking to you about this customer problem, I am still not talking to you when we get home. Still not talking to you when we get home. (laughs) I love that. Let's be crystal clear about this. Yeah, we just know. um, No, I'm not going to lunch with you today. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. That's funny. Oh my gosh. You sound like my wife. (laughs) Yeah, but you hear these people that talk about work-life balance and not talking about work at home. That is so unrealistic. Like, this is our life. This is our passion. Like, we're doing this for our kids. We were going to go out to dinner like a date night, and we said we wouldn't talk about work, and that lasted like 10 minutes. That'd be like going to dinner with your spouse and saying, let's not talk about the kids. Like, it's just a big part of your life. Mm -hmm. How do you not talk about it? Absolutely. Was it you who posted about like work life integration? Yeah. 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 That's something we said before on this podcast. Like, balance assumes like the more you have of one, the less you have of the other. Right. Right. I don't believe in that. Well, and even if you don't work with your spouse at the same time, company. I mean, you should still be pouring into those challenges and those successes and talking them through those things over a day night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Ruin your date. That's what I always do. I <laughs> yeah. always try to find the most high conflict thing. And then when I do finally get a sitter and have a nice romantic night, let's talk about it at dinner. Let's just go. <laughs> no, that is funny. It's a challenge you have to figure out. Like, shoot, when do we talk about this? Because when you have kids and you're busy, like entrepreneurial people, like you're together all the time, but you're not really like able to Our people to talk. at work are shocked about some of the things that they would assume we talk about. Like our senior leadership team that's in the know of some of these things. They're like, assume that she told me or I told her and they're shocked. And actually had one of the members of our executive team say to me one time, he was like, I'm surprised how little you guys talk about this stuff. And then he made sure to tell me like, and I mean that as a compliment. Like, I just think it's, if it's significant and relevant. Well, and at some point, if you're confident in the decisions that Lindsay's making and she's confident in the way that you're leading the company, you don't have to talk about every single thing. You know what I mean? Some things could just can go unsaid. You don't have to rehash and be like, hey, I just made this XYZ decisions. Like, oh, great. Good job. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to talk about it all. 
So you all have a few more points on how to manage a marriage and a business at the same time, right? And we're going to get into those key points, but you have to wait for part two. Before we go there, I have an important question that I'm really dying to know the answer of. What is more important, the business or the marriage? (laughs) (laughs) You have to answer honestly. Let's go. Should we wait for part two for that? We get to think about it. You you guys think about it. (laughs) Well, we get into the next one. So. All right, Dick. I'm really glad we're having this conversation with Matthew and Lindsay. And I think that this is an important one because the metalworking industry is very much dominated by family businesses. It really is. And I would love to see more husbands and wives team up together in order to grow our manufacturing base. Right. And we had, what well, I think it was the Marzilli family. I hope I'm not yeah. mispronouncing that, but we yeah. had a husband and wife tandem well, no. once before. And so he, there's probably... He's not afraid to correct us if sure. it's wrong. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Definitely not him, but... Yeah, there's probably a lot of people who can relate. Yeah. And so if this is an episode that you can relate to, and if you're waiting to hear how this cliffhanger gets answered, then please refer it to somebody else. Yeah. Who, I mean, who you, you feel know, like, it's like the mission to. of making chips is to equip and inspire manufacturing leaders. So if we can help another married couple who are in a business, maybe it's just the two of them, maybe they got 20 employees, who knows, to just get some tips to managing that relationship and the business, please pass this along to them. And this is the purpose that we're trying to serve here at Making Chips. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of husband-wife combos. And it seems to me that the wives tend to phase out over time for a number of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Kids and the business changes. and Yeah. So let's talk but about I think that the too. uniqueness yeah. of our story is that Lindsay, through all this growth, is still part of the business. And I think she can really speak to how we've been able to maneuver that aspect of it, which is unique. Yeah. Yeah. We'll dive into it in the next one. So, right, but, so but to close this one out, we always say the same thing to end every show. If you're not making chips, you're not you're making, not making money. money. Bam. Bam.